0: Welcome to another episode of National Energy Talk. I'm Mark Stansbury. Today we have with us a, a great individual, great friend, journalist, writer, oil and gas analyst, expert. Welcome, Bob Tippy, to National Energy Talk.
1: Thank you for that introduction, Mark. It's great to be here. I look forward to an interesting conversation.
0: Well, I do too. and I, I want to mentioned today especially an important day in in history february 21st 2022 we have issues going on in europe and particularly in ukraine and so we want to talk about uh, energy quite a bit today in regarding to that part of the world and really globally but before we do tell about your history about how you got started where you got started and the journey from that point and your part of the world you got started in and up to now
1: uh, well, I I spent most of my career at Oil and Gas Journal. I was the editor in chief for the last 20 some years. For that, I was a newspaper journalist and an officer in the Air Force. I'm a native of St. Louis, Missouri, went to school at University of Tulsa, but ended up in Houston, Texas. And I guess this is about as far south as I need to go.
0: Well, that's a quick uh, bio. Uh, and uh, I know there's a lot of fillers in between because I've, I've seen a lot of uh, your action in the energy business, Bob, through the years, especially when it comes to your writings and your, and your speaking engagements and so forth, I, I will say I want to thank you for the many years that uh, you assisted the energy advocates. And uh, I, I served for about six years as president. And I know every time that I asked you to speak, uh, you, were, you would fly in from Houston to Tulsa or wherever. Uh, and I was chairman of the International Energy Policy Conference. And again, when we had an event and we need a speaker especially to talk about forecasts, and uh, looking at the future, uh, it was Bob Tippy we always wanted to call on. And so, in fact, you received the Energy Advocate of the Year Media Award a few years back. And so we appreciate, again, everything you've done uh, to promote, educate, advocate energy, especially the oil and gas industry. We're, we're facing some uh, difficult times in the industry. And uh, so I really want to hear from you on different subjects. I'm going to Mentioned different subjects along the way, and if you will, uh, let us know how you feel about these different things. First of all, though, uh, geopolitically right now, as I mentioned, uh, Russia and Ukraine, and and uh, the the world's demand on oil and and gas. Um, I've been an advocate for many years of uh, of America needs America's energy, all forms, all American, and uh, and I know that you have been involved uh, with the theme uh, with me when I was working on the, on the conference of striving for energy efficiency, and environmental preservation. And so, where are we? Where are we going to go? And, and what's, what's the challenges ahead when it comes to the oil and gas industry that you see?
1: Well, oh, that's, that's a big question in terms of, uh, in terms of just the energy security uh, issue that you alluded to. We're, we're seeing right now uh, with Russia and, and Ukraine, reemergence of of the weaponization of, of energy in in a new form and that that's natural gas because russia is definitely uh um it's meeting its contract um commitments to to for natural gas deliveries to europe but is not going to going above that and of course europe is starving for uh for gas now but a big a big reason of that is its own energy policy mistakes, uh, but there's a real energy crisis this winter in in, in Europe, and as a consequence of that, uh, American LNG is is partly coming to the rescue. Uh, uh, that's a that's a new wrinkle in the energy security uh, equation. We used to think in terms of just oil, but now with with uh, liquefied natural gas being shippable all over the world and traded increasingly uh, as a commodity. It used, to, it used to move under long-term contracts. Now it, now it, it trades as a commodity, and, and cargos can change hands mid-shipment, so forth. Uh, supplies can go where they're needed, and that's definitely happening now. But LNG emerges as an energy security component, and it's not getting much attention at all. Uh, which is which is kind of interesting.
0: well, it really is because I guess we have what seven terminals uh, on the coast, and um, and yet we need more. We need more terminals. we need more infrastructure. Uh, but I think the the image you know we we talked about that years ago of the of the industry has been a challenge. Uh, how do we go about um, confronting that challenge of of our image in the industry as far as the oil and gas industry?
1: Well, it's been a challenge. Ever since I've been connected with the with the oil and gas business, and that began in 1977, and we haven't made <laughs> haven't made much progress. So, I, I, I I'm not real hopeful. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the industry shouldn't uh, shouldn't do what it can to improve the image. But it, you know, the best thing it can do is just perform. Uh su- you know, supply energy safely, as cleanly as possible. Uh, as affordably as, as as possible and as consistently as possible, and the, uh, the the political impediments to that are formidable at the at the present time. I, I think the industry is largely resigned to the fact that that it's uh, uh, that it's going to get blamed for whatever bad happens, and it just needs to minimize the bad things that happen that are its own fault.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that. I, I remember, uh, of course, the 73-74 oil embargo time frame and, and, um, and how the Energy Advocates actually got started about that time, about 1974, uh, to educate about energy policy and issues and, and views. And uh, it, it looked like things were moving forward the last several years. In fact, Energy Advocates started to get less and less. Uh, the membership was going to the point where well, why are we showing up? We've got our energy policy in place now. We've got an oil and gas industry and a future of energy. And then over the last uh, few years, now it's got, or last year or so, uh, we've seen that we've become um, uh, less uh, supportive of oil and gas, but looking at renewables and i i and other alternatives. And I think uh, we both can agree that yes, we we both support an energy future and energy transition, but at the risk of uh, of where we are today. What what's what's being done from your perspective, what can be done to maintain our, our security, which, um, you know, we've, we've had the, the colonial pipeline issue that happened. Uh, we've had the reliability of in question when it comes to you know, the Texas uh, grid and so forth. Uh, I, I know it's a challenge, but is there an answer? What's, what's your answer?
1: You said we, which opens, opens a lot of, you know, what, what can, can, can what can we do? Um, uh, I, I you know what i would like to see is removal of some of the growing uh, political hurdles to uh to to oil and gas development we're we're in a we're in a uh, a political climate that that hinges everything on on climate change and and i would say an exaggerated uh version of the of of, of the climate problem uh which is not to say we shouldn't do something about it but the prescription too often boils down to stop producing and using oil and gas. Uh, and th- that simply cannot be done. Um, uh, even with the energy transition, uh, the, the, the demand for oil and gas is going to remain substantial for for many years, largely in support of the energy transition. So this business of, of let's quit producing oil and gas or let's, let's hinder oil and gas development is, is, is inflicting pain on people that's one, unwarranted, and two, I think will, will eventually become a backlash, a political backlash against some of the energy transition uh, initiatives that, that, that are probably necessary. Uh, and I think I think that would be regrettable. And I certainly don't don't support the the human hardship uh, that that comes with all that, which we're seeing play out right now in Europe.
0: Well, it goes beyond that. You know, I I, I believe that uh, we should have energy for all the world, and, and to go through the expense of uh, of what I've, I see from the, the renewables and so forth, especially because of having to go to other countries. Like China and other countries to uh, get the raw materials necessary to provide, uh, say, electric vehicles, batteries for electric vehicles, uh, uh, solar panels, on and on and on. Um, we need to look at it from a perspective: what can we do for the globe, not just for America, is is where I look at it, and I think that's how we've discussed it in the past. It's a bigger, it's a it's a global outlook. In fact, that's been your your subject uh, when you talk at the midyear or annual forecast for oil and gas journal through the years it's been a worldwide uh forecast and so uh to do that we have to plan and so i appreciate what you've done one thing i want to stop and ask uh is, uh and because I, I have uh, i know there's some students that listen to this uh, podcast and what advice uh do you have for students um you know uh, in, because right now I have several students are going, I'm, I want to stay in the oil and gas studies uh, or petroleum studies, edu- energy studies. But is that really a, is there really a future there? And um, how do you address that? And uh, we need a strong workforce, but uh, getting missed, you know, some missed vibes here is that, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, the oil and gas industry won't be around. What What's the answer?
1: I don't want to be too cynical about this, but I am. <laughs> uh, and that is don't believe what you read in the newspapers, for one thing. Um, a lot of the newspapers, even here in Houston, you know, uh, uh, approach the energy transition as as the imminent disappearance of fossil energy, including oil and gas, uh, as it's replaced by renewables and electrification or everything. And that's just that's just absurd. That's just a that's just a ridiculous um, uh, way to look at it. it. It it ignores the scale of the problem. For one thing, it ignores it ignores simple physics Um, uh, and that, you know, I I mean, it begins with, you cannot replace low cost, high energy density energy, which is fossil energy and nuclear with, with low energy density, higher costs uh, uh, energy, except by performing work and at great expense. Um, uh, That's, that's simple physics um uh but that's that's what we're that's what we're into and that's what policy seems to be oriented toward with the with the expectation that we're going to go to net zero by you know net net zero in energy in electricity production by 2035 net zero in total energy by 2050 and so forth and that's simply not going to happen partly because which you alert, alluded to the, the massive scale-up of renewables, because of the work required, involves the construction of machinery and, and distribution infrastructure that puts a tremendous um, demand on mining and on logistics and supply chains, uh, petrochemical manufacture, uh, those things can't happen without existing forms of energy. And, you know, you hear a lot of you hear a lot of things. Well, we'll just we'll just use renewable energy for, for all that. No, we won't. It does not exist yet, and we're trying to grow renewable energy. That continues to put uh, pressure on supplies of oil, gas, coal, and nuclear, and that's going to continue for decades. That that's not going away. So there is an industry, there is an industry uh, uh, for for oil and gas. As far as I can see into the future, the business might not be uh, as large as it has been in its in its peak years. But we're not at the peak yet. When we arrive at the peak, that doesn't mean oil and gas go away. Um, And I'll personalize personalize this by saying that in my a job interview to join the Oil and Gas Journal in 1977. One of the questions I asked the, the editor in chief at the time, I said, "Is there really a really a future for oil and gas? Can you make a career out of this?" Because at that time, you know, we, we were we were we were paralyzed by expectations of scarcity. This certainly true, proved uh, not to be uh, founded in 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 reality, and the 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 editor in chief just you know smiled and said well you know he'll, he'll learn <laughs> so so we've you you know we've been we've been dealing with the expectation that oil and gas would go away for a long time but for various reasons and it's never been true before uh, and it, and it's not true now i think people i think young people entering entering the oil and gas Business will be in high demand, and I think supply will be limited by just the just the negativity that that surrounds oil and gas right now. So I think they'll be they'll be well positioned and they'll do well in a in a, in a fascinating business, I'm not in.
0: No question about it. As far as reading materials, and uh, I say reading materials, journals, periodicals, what what do you suggest for those that uh, both the professionals, those that are enter, entering the industry? Uh, what what do you read from the oil and gas perspective?
1: Wall Street Journal gets it right uh, most of the time. Um, uh, they they haven't bought into the you know we throw us political switch and 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 reconstitute the 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 energy economic system. Uh, that they, they understand the scale of the problem and the and the economic realities. Um, um, Of course, the specialty publications um, do do pretty well. Um, um, I'm trying to think of think of some others. I did some. I wrote some commentary for for a conservative uh, website called Human Events Mm -hmm, last year. Um, uh, They 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 do pretty well with it. They're they're kind of a they kind of get conservative thought from all over the place. I mean, I mean, you really have to you really have to go to conservative um, uh, outlets to get any kind of energy reality. Um, as a matter of fact, you can get on. Um, um, you know, some of the some of the websites. Uh, uh, Hoover Institution's got some good some good people. American Enterprise Institute. Um, I'm just on the top of my head stuff here
0: well and of course uh we i know the archives of bob tippy through the years i encourage the listeners to go to as well well this is part one of national Energy talk with uh, bob tippy hope you'll tune into part two with bob tippy our next episode again you're listening to national energy talk